Hey everyone, what's going on? It's DJ Way here. It's David. Just wanted to pop in and say g'day before this episode starts. Thank you all so much for the super, super lovely feedback and the support uh, as we get these final episodes out. It has been, yeah, a really, really beautiful experience. Uh, the one you're going to hear today is an absolute cracker. I feel like we're all really on point. There's some great discussion, some hilarious in-jokes. Again, you know, a lot of it's dated. We're talking about, in the in the first bit, we are talking about the uh, Tech 9 song that had The Rock's guest verse on it, uh, which was, as you'll know, quite some time ago. Thank you again so, so much for listening. Uh, we're really looking forward to, to seeing this one out on our terms and, yeah, bringing together... Uh, a really beautiful conclusion that's going to pay tribute to our beautiful friend, Andrew, as best as we possibly can. Uh, but again, thanks so much for listening and all the support you've given us. Uh, really hope you enjoy this one. Thanks so much. It's about drive. It's about power. We stay hungry. We devour. Put in the work, put in the hours and take what's ours. Yeah, I'm the most famous person in the world. I've conquered wrestling. I've conquered acting. I could probably rap too. It's just like... <laughs> Uh, uh. Sometimes you need to practice by yourself for a bit. That's what I'm saying. It's like, hey, if you want to start something, do it. Do it today. Do it by yourself. Don't show anyone just yet. Have a little go. Have a play. You don't have to show someone straight away. It's true. Do it for you. Rock. If you want to have a little rock. Become an advice column for Dwayne Johnson. Lifting wise, you're doing great. No notes. No notes. (laughs) No notes. Oh, I really like how varied he is as an actor as well. (laughs) <laughs> Big range Sometimes he'll raise one eyebrow yeah. Sometimes he'll raise the other I don't think he's a great actor He's just very charismatic No notes on charisma no. <laughs> I mean he's the most electrifying man in sports entertainment Yeah, yeah. No notes on being that Being electrifying No Speaking of electrifying <laughs> The most electrifying podcast in sports entertainment Is about to drop some knowledge Don't you dare give us notes <laughs> <laughs> Digging in a hole. <laughs> Digging up my soul now. Going down. Excavation. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we take illegal substances for several years and we talk about the songs that have elevated us to this point in the Triple J Hottest 100, my name is David James Young, and I am one of the four voices you are going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again is Andrew McDonald. Morning, morning. Nathan Harrison. Uh, evil Nathan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> evil Nathan be like, Tism sucks. <laughs> <laughs> They do. <laughs> they do. Be oh, they're the first to admit that. <laughs> and Adam Buncher. Evil mole. 
<laughs> there is no point wasting a second more of your precious, precious time. It is time to go back to an era where we all had Angelina Jolie on our walls. This is you too. This is the Tomb Raider mix of... Making their return to the Triple J Hottest 100, coming in at number 40 uh, with the song Elevation, specifically the Tomb Raider mix of Elevation, which was on the soundtrack to the 2001 movie Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Now, Nathan, as much as you are a diehard U2 fan, mm-hmm. we know that you are also a massive Crofty, you you love a bit of the Tomb Raider. You love some square titties. I've quite enjoyed the um the modern, the new ones. Are the gross. new ones, the new Tomb Raider games are really good. Well, there you go. What's the titty factor like? Is is it is it is it better? Have they improved? Um, I think we can say they've improved. <laughs> improved is an appropriate word to use. <laughs> to me, all titties are beautiful. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna rate them, <laughs> <laughs> fucking pig. <laughs> I have though. I, I have flagged before that I don't mind this U2 album. I think all that, that you is, can't leave behind yeah. is you know as far as U2 albums go, and mm. also I guess I've not listened to it for about twelve years, and I have mm. no intention on listening to it anytime soon. Mm. But from memory, it's not that bad. Yeah. So what's interesting is. Elevation itself was not released as a single. The version Smart. that you hear on the album, um, which is surprisingly more low-key. It's, it's got like a lot more electronic production. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. It's a lot more subdued. Whereas this version, the version that was the single uh, from the Tomb Raider soundtrack, just turns everything up to 11. Um, and they just kind of went full Bunta Stadium Rock U2. Which I, I guess, like on one level, you have to say this is what they were trying to do with the song, and they've achieved it. Like, yeah, they, they, like they wanted to make a big euphoric U two song that was just about feeling big, yes, and and euphoric, you know, and and they did that. They're like everything about the music of this is just one hundred percent all the time. Yes. And it works. And I imagine in a stadium, this would fill a stadium in a way that would be very satisfying. It, yeah. I Well, my memory of this song 
specifically this version, is you two opening with it uh, on their live record Go Home uh, from Slane Castle. Yeah, which was their big hometown Irish show in mm-hmm. Dublin. Thousands and thousands, of, like far as the eye can see, big open air show. They open with this. It's just a bunny mosh. Everyone just fucking going crazy. And, you know, it's just like, well, mission accomplished. You want you want some affirmation about the success of, sure. you know, it being a, a huge stadium rock song. In 2006, the NFL asked the teams to please stop using Rock and Roll Part 2. Uh, by Gary Glitter. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> they asked them nicely. We're not doing this anymore. Uh-huh. Um, and Elevation was used often yeah. as as the it yeah, came it came out. in in that in that vacuum. Multiple teams in multiple sports have used it for multiple different celebrations at all mm. times. Yeah, including the Vancouver Canucks. Go Canucks! <laughs> Who's your favorite Canuck, Adam? <laughs> I would have to say the best of the Canucks. <laughs> the fans. <laughs> we are the Canucks. Yeah. yeah. And don't make me choose as well. You, know, like you clearly don't understand the Canucks if you're asking yeah. me to choose one. This is your version of me trying to rank titties. You can't do it. <laughs> yeah. all, Canucks, all Canucks are beautiful. Flat refuse. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Nathan, I, I feel like. In the in the lead up, you've been talking about this. I feel like there's been a butt about to drop. <laughs> it's just like Bono has one job, and it's to write some lyrics. Why can't he? Do, what was he doing instead? A mole digging in a hole. Can I? Can I share? I, again, two. Oh two, my god! Can I find the? Uh, you do that. I'm gonna find the genius. Here's <laughs> here's what is so good. I wish you two could find a genius to write some lyrics. <laughs> they still haven't found what they're looking for. Because <laughs> it's all about the mole. Like cl- this song is just about the mole. Just about the mole. Because he goes back to it so often. The, the the song drops out, and when it comes back, the first thing he says. In the most emphatic way possible is a mole. A mole. Everyone's like, he's doing the mole bit again. <laughs> the mole's already funny, but the, there are two things, the two quotes about Bono's songwriting in this song that make it even better. This is from uh, Bono in U2 on U2. This song's about sexuality and transcendence. A playful piece about wanting to get off, or in this case, literally getting off the ground. I can't actually remember writing it. It was all over in minutes, which is probably not the greatest admission to make in a song about sex. Secondly, was the great quote saying, I think this is our most hip-hop song. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It is. A mole digging in a hole. Oh, it's Fantastic. just ludicrous. Yeah. It's, it's so ludicrous. Yeah. There isn't it's even funny. a genius annotation yeah. to that line. <laughs> Why would wow! there be? It's yeah. it's Dr. Seuss level. Like, we don't need to read into it. Yeah. For a U2 song, it sounds okay. Yeah. Big guitar. Big guitar, huge chorus. Yeah. That's enough. Like, and I think that they knew that. That's why he, he wrote the lyrics in minutes, which I can believe. But hang on, you're riffing about sexuality. Is, is, is Bono's wife just being like, please, honey, not the mole again. <laughs> not tonight. Just one night without He's got the- a costume. Please. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Or like sexuality is like, yeah, I stand with the LGBTQM community. <laughs> <laughs> He's horny for moles. Mm. 
Some, we- they do some role play or mole play <laughs> in the bedroom. I'll be the mole. <laughs> You're always the mole. <laughs> Let me be the mole. I want to be the mole. Yeah. And you, Paul? And, yeah. <laughs> and you be the, the frosty trodden dirt that I'm digging into. <laughs> Is that what moles do? They yeah, dig. man. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, they love it. They, I, mean, they they, know, I think I mainly <laughs> I think my extent of moles starts <laughs> and ends with Mario Bros. 3. <laughs> but no, what about little, the music mole? Oh yeah, the music mole. mole. There you what go, about two. the ones with the weird noses? You know, mm, oh, the star-nosed moles? What's going Mr. on? Mr. Mole from Wind of the Willows? Yeah. Mole. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was yeah. a good mole, a yeah. kindly mole. Uh, the mole in Austin Powers. Yeah, I was, I was three, of course. Money, 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 yeah. money, money. What yeah. was your favourite mole? Right in. Mm. You know? Kylie Le- mole? Leave, this leave, one. leave it in a uh, in a five star. My, <laughs> just start with my favourite <laughs> mole was. And then let us know why. This, all, this always backfires. Because every time we're just like, <laughs> leave a five star referencing something we've talked about on this book. And then it'll come up and it'll be like, Kevin gives us five star. Uh, and it'll just be like, Bob the Builder's a cunt. And you're just like, what the <laughs> fuck is that a reference to? Be like five stars. That English guy during the Cold War. <laughs> yeah. like, what? What? <laughs> That's why I specifically said, start with my favorite mole is. You're uh, yeah. leaving us a five star. You 25 do what you words want. or less. Yeah. <laughs> you do, Benedict. Cumberbatch in the, in the Courier. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Good mole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> I, I worry that like our cultural relics are going to be songs like these because of their like you know huge appeal and broad stadium, whatever. You mean and after then, after the fall? Well, the fall will be in there too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, centuries from now, people will be sifting through the detritus of our age mm. and come across. <laughs> A mole, a mole. <laughs> digging in a, a hole. It's, well, fittingly enough, they'll have to excavate to find it. They will. Yeah. They will. They'll be like, "Oh, it's like us. They saw us from yeah. the past." It's a, it's it's a us, prophecy. The mole man. Like, <laughs> as a busy mole, <laughs> how do you feel this compares to the original elevation? Like it, because it's weird to listen to this without the the maximalism. Like, have, yeah. You, yeah. have you two heard the original elevation? Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. Uh, all the You Can't Leave Behind was um, a CD my parents had. So like, I, this is probably one of the first YouTube songs I heard. See, well, I think that the this version, the Tomb Raider mix, is what the song wanted to be. Mm, like, okay, it sounds like a big bombastic, huge stadium rock song, whereas the original is like not quite as, I don't know, crunchy or whatever. I should, should mention that the remix was handled by a guy called Chris Vrenner. Remixes are a broad thing, but it's weird having a remix which is more straightforward rock. Well, I, I don't think it's even... Categorize as a remix. It's just a, it's just a different mix. Yeah, right. Like, could we yeah. please talk about the film clip for this mix? <sighs> ah, directed by Joseph Kahn. Mm. Yes, indeed. That has the band members cut into scenes of Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Oh, I love and it. And begins with Bono calling himself and saying, "This is evil, Bono." Fan- what, we he- have captured ha- the edge. Hang on, Lara Croft cannot help you now. Is that a quote? Yeah. This is That's evil. how the music video starts. This is, this evil. is evil Bono. That's why I said I was evil Nathan at the start of the episode. Oh, yeah, I got the... Yeah. yeah. This is evil Bono. We have the edge. Lara Croft cannot help you now. And then That's they, as good as the lyrics. Then there's... <laughs> there's a whole bunch of sequences of like action sequences from the movie 
with members of YouTube poorly. Well, I guess well edited in for 2001, but it has not right. aged well. And then it finishes with YouTube doing a band off with Evil YouTube, and YouTube wins. No way. But I guess it's There's that. There's no like, way YouTube's <laughs> winning against Evil YouTube. No, I guess it's one of those like twists at the end of the movie where you're like. The U2, you know, it's oh like, did it, and you're like, yeah. oh no, were they the evil one? Yeah. Well, does oh evil U2 God. have like the, the Spock goatee <laughs> from Star Trek? <laughs> like evil Arbed. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's that Arbed. jokey, but I think they're like just more dressed in black. How or is whatever. it not? Right. There's that- also a point where they all float in the air and it looks. Right. Amazing. Really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. It's just wild. Evil it's just the whole, the whole thing. I think U2 at this point of being like a rock band that is this big. Mm. And operating in this way. It's just like, it's, it's a wild thing to have happened. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when then they make music videos <laughs> to tie in with Tomb Raider of yeah. all things. Do you know who uh, did lead single for the next Tomb Raider movie and also had a music video uh, for that single starring uh, Angelina Jolie? Hang on, was this Tomb Raider in the same era that this Tomb Raider movie came out or was this like a reboot year? No, 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 it was the sequel. Tomb Raider Cradle of so Angelina, on, Jol- <laughs> Angelina Jolie, yeah, re- 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 resumed the role. They're okay. not good movies. <laughs> no, they're bad. <laughs> Daniel Craig is in the first one, though. Yeah. Oh. Um, so is John Voight, um, yep. her dad. Who did the single for the... Uh, it's a previous Hottest 100 entrant. Oh, even better. Regurgitator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the regurgitator of Bakersfield. Corn. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> that tracks. Why would you get corn on the Tomb Raider thing? Why? Evil Don't... corn is just corn, right? <laughs> yeah, like exactly. no, no, evil corn. No, no, no. They, they, they're like, we're evil, which means we're good. Uh, and they yeah, go around. They're like dressed like librarians or yeah, something. Yeah, and they help, <laughs> they help people. Evil, evil corn's R is forwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just nice guys. Yeah. They help you move. Yeah. <laughs> give you ad- give you like well intentioned advice, but not after you know, only after mm. listening to your problem thoroughly so mm. they actually do understand it and then wanna help you not just hear their own voices. Yeah, nice. Nothing takes a part of them. <laughs> they, they are they are regular people unleashed. <laughs> they spot you at the gym. Yeah. They would they would. Yeah. They would. And if you need a friend, man. <laughs> You're putting out a lot of signs here, don't you? I'm dropping hints that I need someone to spot me at the gym. We, we can talk can about stuff. Spot me at the gym. Adam's actually recording this mid-set and we're just not helping. Is that it? We're done with the mole? Yeah. yeah, that's it. Good crap. Wow. At number 39, this is the Cruel Sea with cocaine. Cocaine running around in my brain. 
was The Cruel Sea coming in at number 39 in the 2001 Triple J Hottest 100. That is the song Cocaine uh, from the album Where There's Smoke. Uh, this is a cover of the song Cocaine in My Brain, which itself also references Knife and Fork by Think Tank. There's just a lot of history. Various dub and reggae songs over the years that have used the various iterations of this. I'm thinking of the one that you can hear on Dave Van Ronk's folk singer album from the 60s. Yes, uh, which was also done by the Yardbirds um, and Eric Clapton. I I think John Lee Hooker did a version of it as well. Yeah, that would make sense. A lot of musicians have done cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) What? That's right. (laughs) Now, we've talked a lot about the Cruel Sea over the years. We talked about 1993, their year, um, when they uh, came in with their signature song, The Honeymoon Is Over. They've always been indebted to blues and soul and funk in a lot of different ways, but here they are showing their love of of reggae and of its kind of more like dancehall sort of history as opposed to just the usual like upstroke acoustic guitar that a lot of white dudes will take from reggae, you know. Yeah, there's something just straight up rock and roll about this song that I've always loved. It's it's knowingly ridiculous. Tex Perkins is having clearly the fucking time of his life. Clearly. He is a mole digging in a hole when it comes to this song. (laughs) And that hole is made entirely out of, you guessed it, it's the band at their most playful and loose and jammy. It it feels like it was all kind of done off the cuff, mm-hmm. you know, ap- apart from like the overdubbed like record stretches and stuff like that. Like it just, that feels like it's just like layered over the top of what is ostensibly just uh, the band kind of jamming out on it. It feels like it wasn't thought over too much. And I think that's why it works. There's there's a certain charm to it and just a certain, just like, keep it simple. You know, like we all love this song. We all just want to do this kind of sloppy rendition of it. And clearly it connected with an audience. Like this is one of their highest chart positions. And I believe this is the final time that we get to talk yeah. about the full say. Yeah. Um, and Tex in general, because I don't think he ever gets another solo track in or anything of the sort. Um, I, love, I love it that, like, thematically speaking, the last song that we got to talk about was a song that actually had the word goodbye in the title. Ah, uh, yes. And it's like we said farewell to them. It's like, psych, we're coming back. We're being weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was only gone for a little while. Now he's back and he's yep. uh, he's brought some presents for us all. <laughs> I wonder yeah. what it could be. I grew up with this record, the Weather Smoke album, which ended up being the final studio album from The Cruel Sea. And... I feel like it makes a lot of sense, like in retrospect. I don't think they might have known at the time that this was going to be their final record, but like there's a sense of just like, let's just go out and do whatever the hell we want. There's some instrumental jams. There's some like slower, more acoustic sort of stuff, like some more bluesy sort of stuff. This obviously is a love letter to reggae. um, And I appreciate the fact that they were just like, we've got nothing to lose here. You know, we're not chasing the charts. We just want to remember what it was like to be in a band together and just have fun. That's something that's really reflected in this track because there is not as much pressure when it's not your song. They can just fuck around with it and have have a bit of fun. And that's what this song is. Uh, This is not like 
a groundbreaking, like, this is the song that you need to know about the Cruel Sea. But when it comes on, I'm always happy. And it's, it, it, yeah, I love the little samples of dialogue. Uh, like, uh, I'm a musician, you the know. The voice like, acting uh, at the beginning. Yeah. In the, in the little skit. Oh. Like... The Australian cop voice. That's <laughs> very well done. I'm guessing you guys hadn't heard this track prior to no. prior to being assigned it. No. Um, yeah. Did anyone have any immediate thoughts on their version of Cocaine in My Brain? It's right on what you've said. Right on. You know, I, I think it is definitely like them at their most free-flowing and chaotic and playful, you know, and just having fun as musicians. And I, when that happens and there's a genuine fun there, it's infectious. It made me realize that actually what the Cruel Sea do really well performatively is embody character in their songs. You get a real mm. sense of who this song is about from a character point of view through the way that it's performed. Everything about this musically is, the word I would use is taught, really highly strung, you know, and repetitive. And I think that like feeds in so nicely to the theme of the song, the the mood of the song and the character of the song. So I think, mm. yeah, like that's the main thing that I kind of got from it. Mm. I don't like it. But okay. Cocaine or cocaine? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I, I think after what you're saying, it's like I can appreciate that I don't need to and it's fine and it's this the band right. doing a, yeah. something fun for them and I'm not interested in hearing a band do like a love letter to reggae. Um, <laughs> don't need that. It's but. so interesting what you say about like it feels like it doesn't matter whether I like it or not. Yeah, and it's, obviously other people did, so it's Yeah, fine. right. That's, for I mean, me, it's a really like... I don't know, kind of glum ending to the cruel sea being in the countdown. It's like, this is how we're finishing things? Like, after all these years? But going off on it kind of seems pointless in a way that, say, like, if you really hated Elevation by U2, for example, like, you would feel that there's an imperative to go off a lot more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm one with you. This was just a rather uninspired sounding track to me. Like, if it was a bit messier and a bit crunchier, I would have proper down with it like that's a, that's what I like from the Cruel Sea but this I was just like alright you guys are playing this song whatever total beige reaction from me obviously it connected with a lot of people because it's in the top half of the yeah. countdown but like I mean, it's, it's elevation a, yeah. <laughs> well, but it, it's all you know it's the hottest 100 and it's a it's a naughty song that mentions drugs yeah, so. and, and it's by the Cruel Sea yeah. Yeah. well you know yeah. there are certain things at play I'm surprised that this would be this high <laughs> 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 And number 38, this is New Order with Crystal. Triple J, Hottest 100, coming in at number 38 with the song Crystal from the album Get Ready. Andrew? David. Are you ready? Enough. 
that that's all I need. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on Crystal by New Order? Uh, well, uh, interestingly, this was not going to be a New Order song. Uh, oh, right. But Bernard Sumner wrote it and then gave it to a German label called Mastermind for Success, and it was recorded for the artist Corvin Dalek. Right. Um, however, DJ uh, Peter Tong um, heard the song and declared it to be the best New Order single he'd heard since Blue Monday. And wow. then told Sumner, he's like, you will be a fool if you don't record this and make it the lead single from the next record. And that's what he did with the rest of the band. And they're in like, like Blue, like, I guess like they're such a interesting band as to be, we're talking about in 2001, like, like for them to have started in the early 80s and ostensibly they started playing music in the late 70s. Yeah. And then to be making music, which at least from a Triple J audience is still deemed relevant, is very interesting compared to when you think of the classic New Order sound, like your Blue Monday, your Bizarre Love Triangle and so yeah, on. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. This doesn't really sound like that, obviously. They're in far more just like rock band mode here. Like they're obviously yeah. still, still like electronic flourishes. Well, yeah, that, mm. that was the same thing for when we talked about 60 Miles an Hour. Absolutely, mm. absolutely, yeah. yeah. Mm. And I think this is a much better song than that. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's going to be like thinking of New Order and then thinking of this song. Well, maybe some people will if they got into this song and then mm. discovered the Pat Gatalog. But like, this isn't what you're going to when you're going for, quote, the New Order sound. But like Sumner's voice is good. The like post-chorus... Peter Hook baseline is like pure Peter Hook, which pure I, Peter Hook. Yeah, that's, like, that's what well, that's what yeah. turns this into a New Order song. Yeah, for me, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you love to hear that shit because like Hooky's just like that. That sound, like that he he just does the '80s post punk bass sound so goddamn well. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's his. Why I like this song. Best way to describe this is this is a very good 2001 New Order song. <laughs> yeah, it, like in retrospect, it might be the last great New Order song. It's interesting because like the other times that we've talked about New Order, we were talking about like the Price of Love and like the early 90s stuff where it was still kind of a hangover from the 80s where they were still like trying to replicate that sort of sound and, you know, but also trying to stay up with everything. But by this time, their sound is cool again, you know? So yeah. it's just like they've just kind of adapted it into into what they're doing at this point as like a quote-unquote modern sound. And, you know, that bridging of the gap works really well for me. And I think of all the tracks on New Water, this might, uh, on, on Get Ready, New Water, Get Ready, that I always used to think it was called all one word, New Water, Get Ready, because that's <laughs> how it looked on the album cover. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, New Order, of course, their new album, New Order, Get Ready. <laughs> 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 Interesting choice. Weirdly, this song was incredibly influential mm-hmm. on... 2000s rock music uh-huh. in a very different way uh, that some people might not actually know. This blew my mind. You yeah. know this. Well, I knew it because I, I I don't know how you know this considering you've only seen five music videos, but somehow, some way. Because <laughs> I, I do research. Oh, look at yeah. you. Oh, okay. I do my own research. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch music videos, but I do have a book about them. Uh, I'm not a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool fact. So in the video for Crystal, a fictional band is playing the song and on the bass drum is the name of that band and the name of that band is the killers uh-huh and, and that is where the killers got their name from you're yeah, right yeah not from killers <laughs> no. <laughs> no not from the iron maiden album no oh, yeah. or, or the profession or the See, profession that, that elevates them in my mind i've basically been boycotting them because huh. i thought that they were you know pro murder which yeah. i 
I'm we, happy we've been to subconsciously say using the I'm word not. elevate quite a lot since <laughs> we talked about that song. Can I just say? Can I just point that out? Yeah, it's almost like it, it's it's a <laughs> in our head. Yeah, uh-huh. we've been very short sighted. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> What's very what's very wholesome is that uh, wholesome. when they, there's there's been some times in the um, in the past in the in the mid two thousands where the killers have actually performed and swapped songs with New Order. Yeah, and they've oh, they've kind of got together and played one another's songs. Game recognized kind of like game. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's nice, right? Like, yeah. Well, the killers have always been very open about like paying tribute to their heroes. Like they brought out Johnny Marr at Glastonbury, and they also brought out. Um, Oh, what's his name from fucking Pet Shop Boys? Weirdly, I can remember the other one in the Pet Shop Boys, <laughs> Chris Lowe, but I can't remember the name of the Pet Shop Boys. Greg singer. Boys. Greg Boys. Johnny Pet. <laughs> <laughs> My phone just Googled Johnny Pet. <laughs> oh, jo- Johnny Pat was an, an entertainer from the Holland East Yorkshire, huh? Yeah, he was right. the front man for the band The Aces for over 50 years. And was he Before awarded the- joining the Pet Shop Boys. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Pet Shop Boys. Apparently he's an all-around good guy, very charitable. It says that? Yep. <laughs> the cougar says it's all-around pretty good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah so no, sh- nice enough guy. Shout out to Johnny Pat yeah, uh, from nice. the Aces. And Neil Tennant from Pet Shop Boys. You <laughs> <laughs> knew it the whole fucking time! <laughs> I looked it up on Wikipedia. Oh, okay. <laughs> we were covering it. All right, you've done going... your own research. Oh. <laughs> research buddies. Oh, oh, hey. Fuck you guys. <laughs> uh, um, Love looking stuff up. What does is, what is this half of the table make of Crystal by New Order? I like it, I think. I, I, I think this is a real song that benefits from its texture. This is a texture song. There are a lot of... Other elements that, in isolation, are kind of crap. Here comes love. It's like honey. You can't buy it with money. I mean, were you co-writing with Bono? (laughs) (laughs) Who's to say? And I I think sometimes, like, the female vocals, they come off as kind of, like, cheesy, just like... I liked when they came in because, for me, that was a, like... A surprising element. Something something new is happening. Yeah, but it's just... They're kind of only there a bit. It's it's weird, the amount that they're there. But... In the background, you still have like this absolute swirling texture, this kind of like these airy synths, these staccato kind of guitars. Like if you're incorporating shoegaze elements into your song, you're kind of cheating a little bit. I feel like it's such a <laughs> hack. I feel like it's just like if you if you put it in, you automatically get some of the way there. And this is a, this is a magnificently produced version of that. Like everything in this song sounds really good and it goes on for long enough and it has enough momentum that it kind of like sweeps you up. And then once you're in it, in the in the jet stream of it and you're in the flow of it it's very easy to kind of become seduced by it mm. i think i think that's where i kind of land in the experience of it even though like if i were to dissect the song and pick it out i'd be like well it's, it's better than the sum of its parts it 100% is but i think again it's mainly because just you know you've got you've got the onion and the garlic you know when you start cooking onion and garlic in the kitchen, it's like, oh, what are you cooking? Yeah. Yeah. It's just airy synths and staccato guitars, guys. <laughs> it's just the shoegaze background elements. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> they never tell you that on Huey's Cooking Adventures. Yeah, yeah don't. Mm, sounds delish. <laughs> <laughs> I think before we did this podcast, if you had asked me, because I just I'm I'm not a new order head, if you would ask me when they finished being a band. 
I would have guessed like late 80s, maybe early 90s. So it's weird that like 10 years after that, there's still songs that are successful. And technically Mm. they've only broken up once, I think, which was after um, Waiting for the Sirens Call. Yeah. And then they reformed without Hookie in 2009. (laughs) That's a whole thing. So Ask him about it. He'll tell you. (laughs) I bet. So for me, it's like a, a new water song in two thousand one has to justify itself. <laughs> like, like why? Mm. Like, oh, they're still a band. Like, what are they doing if they're still a band? And I'm like, is it just this? I appreciate, like, yeah, yeah. like I think the production is nice and there's some nice swirly. But I was just like, I think I maybe got too focused on the lyrics, right? Which are nothing, and and just like structurally, I was just like, ah, oh, this doesn't feel like anything new in a way that was interesting. It just didn't grab me. Yeah. 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 Fair. Fair. Okay. I mean, I feel like it's last time we talked about it, we talked about 60 miles an hour. I was like, oh, I I can see this fitting into the constellations of indie rock that are going on in this time. And I kind of also see it here. I think think it's actually a fairly relevant sound. Yeah, right. If not a more like expanded and exploded version of that. Mm. Um, Yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I can pay that. Yeah. I think we're done with New Order. Yeah, we are. Yeah, there we go. Another ooh song, can I just say? A what? Ooh. ooh. There's, a, there's, oh. there's, there's oohs in this song. That's true. There another is. Another drug to, song? It's another drug. Yeah, we, we went from cocaine to crystal. Yeah. Oh, boy. Good yeah. thing, good thing <laughs> things are not going well. It'd be terrible if there was a mole to mm. rat us out. Uh-oh. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. it would. <laughs> Thank you. Just, I just needed <laughs> just say yes and move on. It's oh, fine. Oh, fuck me. Evil Bono's like breaking bad. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be like, you know, and then and then it could you two defeat them and they're like, don't do drugs. <laughs> eh? Eh? You know? Yeah, I can see that working. PSA. They would do that. Yeah, they would. That's they true. would. That's something yeah. they'd do. You two. Yeah. Yeah, they would. Yeah. Not, yeah, not they me would. Nathan. <laughs> I need to stop. I just, <laughs> oh, Dwayne is not going to like this episode at all. No, I'm sorry, Dwayne. That's right. Something good's about to happen. Is it? Yeah. You'll see. And number 37, it's something for Kate with 20 years. Number 37 in the Triple J Hottest 100. That is the song 20 Years. It comes from their album Echolalia, which featured several other singles. I wonder if we will be talking (laughs) about any more of them. Only time will tell. If they didn't get in the countdown at this point, then surely not. Yeah, yeah. There's so many more U2 songs to get in. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go through the whole Tomb Raider soundtrack. God. Adam, 
Yeah. We have uh, discussed at length how bloody good something for Kate are. Yeah. And yeah. spoiler alert, that greatness continues with yeah. the song 20 Years. Oh, my God. What a wonderful oh, song. God, it hurts so good. It, re- it really is. This is, this uh, is yeah. like... As John Mellencamp once famously said. Oh, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> this is just like absolute perfect catharsis in song form. This song is just like a long sigh. I, I mentioned how there would be a song in an upcoming... In last episode, I mentioned how there was a song coming up that I think links back to Super Straight. And I think that if Super Straight is the comedy, mm. this is the, the tra- tragedy. This yeah. is the tragedy because it's essentially dealing with the same kind of things. It's like everyday life of going to work and coming back and attempting to find fulfillment and attempting to find meaning and maybe being stuck in circumstances where you aren't finding that. But you also don't feel like you have the ability to change those circumstances for yourself. And dealing with that, that is really what this song is about, is a song about that powerlessness. Mm. They're talking to me, but I'm not here. And yet in the, in the very next line, he says they don't know an explosion when they see one. And if that doesn't just kind of capture the internal landscape of what it's like to struggle against that feeling of being stuck, even the guitar line, I think, is that those two notes in that kind of metronome way, it's the ticking of a clock or or it is the beat that keeps pace as you keep marching. And it's marching because you're being instructed to do it. You're You're not carrying yourself in movement of your own will. The way that something for Kate managed to, so consistently in all of their songs portray the deep existential ache of modernity. They get it in a way that not only I think few other bands do, but few other writers. Like the lyrics to this song truly, truly take my breath away. And you know what fucking sucks the most? What? Paul Dempsey was turning, turning 25 <laughs> when no, this album came no, out. No, only physically. <laughs> like, yeah, I also really love... It's just like, I can't believe I'm getting my life advice from a guy with a soul patch. <laughs> <laughs> Happily, in this instance. <laughs> Limp Biscuit, less so. Yeah. <laughs> but I, Paul, you can't even rent a car yet. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know these uh-huh. things? <laughs> yeah, I, I just I love also one of my, my favorite elements of something for Kate, especially in this time and in mm. this song, is how they manage to walk the line between it being kind of spoken word, but also carry that kind of melody in the vocals enough. That's just how my voice sounds. <laughs> but it's kind of it's kind of like it speaks to how written the songs are and how kind of literary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he'll he'll have certain bits where it's just. Follows the melody and it goes yeah. like there, but then he'll squeeze a bunch of melody and it's it. like, oh, whoa, okay. Or he'll that, stretch that's something completely out. Completely fucking through me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, I think the beautiful thing that that creates is that unlike a lot of other pop-based songs where you can pick it up immediately and you can start singing as soon as you've heard it once, you can't do that with something for Kate. Mm. You have to, you have to come to know it. You have to really grapple with what's going on with it. You and you have to like spend a bit of time learning the particular nature of the songs in order to be able to sing along. And I think that that communicates something really nice about the relationship that it has with the listener. Yeah, because there's that repeated so you say before. Yep. Oh, it's lovely. Mm, just little little yeah. kind of moments like that. If you can't beat them, join them. Like, doesn't that just speak to what the song is doesn't about? Doesn't he make that sound so anthemic when yeah. it comes yeah. out? Yeah. But it's so sad. Yeah. Mm. It's just, it's there's, horribly sad. There's, 
there's something about how he writes in that kind of second person, really introspective way that he's like speaking for you about your experience, but there's no sure. yeah, judgment. It's, it's, it's like second person perspective because yeah. yeah, you yeah, feel like this. You, you spent 20 years. Yeah. You've done this, but there's, there's no judgment in it. It's not, you know, overly wrought and emotional. It's just like, this is how you feel because it's how I feel because it's how we feel. Oh my God. And it's God, just yes. like, oh, it's just good. It just, mm. it's, it's, mm. it's so smart. It, asks you to step up to the song but it, it's so just and it's risky because if you were using that second person and you were not nailing that experience mm-hmm. it would just it would fail so like, so spectacularly how dare you how dare you, you don't know me yeah mm. but it's like oh no you really do like, i guess you know me you really <laughs> know me man damn <laughs> <laughs> that's me oh no <laughs> it's uh, the Leo pointing at the TV meme. <laughs> but so <laughs> Yeah, this is just another example of why I was wrong um, as a teenager to not uh, be on board with something for Kate. This one was one that was a bit of a grower for me because I guess because it is a bit more like meandering is not the right word. But like that's the thing. When I say meandering or when I say lethargic, this is because like, I can't find the correct words to describe the fact that it is a slower paced song. Yes. Like than what I would usually expect from something for Kate or that I would usually listen to in general. I mean heavy? Like, is that is that kind of no, no, weighty? It also doesn't dirty? like have a hook in the same way. That yeah. No. Like, but like that was why I, but I, because I now have a significant amount of love for Kate it was why I've, I did make sure to go back to it to make sure that I could evaluate it in a way that I now realise is like I'm positive about kind of thing because like, mm. it is the whole band are terrific but I do really just love the way that Paul just grimly but still with like care and passion delivers all of these lyrics in ways yeah. that as you said Adam very correctly that you don't expect like the pattern of the, of his delivery for the whole song you wouldn't say it's like on a swung beat or anything, but like it's completely like yeah. you don't see the melody coming until it comes and then it always works. And it forces you to kind of lean in because you, yeah. you, you're not doing the thing with your brain where you shortcut the melody because you've heard it before. Precisely, yeah. It's one, it's one that I think rewards repeated listens. This one that kind of asks for your attention. Yeah. But I think it's better for that. Because the aim is, is, to, is to, for you to sit with it and yeah. to expunge that emotion, to, yeah, have, and to, and to, to have, have that journey, it's it's the same satisfaction of watching a sad movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, but like the guitar and the drums and the bass, like it, it all still fucking rocks. Oh, like, so good. Yeah, it, it, it's like it, it's a terrific rock song. Yeah, but also yeah. is just like you used the word literary a few times, and I think that's a very accurate way of describing the mm. lyric writing in this mm. song. Yeah. That's how Paul Dempsey has kind of always operated, you know, like he, growing up his favorite band is Fugazi. Yeah. You know, so like he grows up with very hyper literate and like very elaborately written lyrics, but set to music that can go between almost ambient to a point to outright aggressive. And I feel like you get a bit of that on 20 years, like that pleasant jangle and that like nice lead lick through the verses and then with a bit more of a edge to it when the tensity builds in the chorus he's telling a story not only with his words but with his music similar to how i was saying like i don't feel like the other members of the whitlams don't get enough credit i definitely feel like the rhythm section in something for kate doesn't get enough credit like by this point they're two albums into what is now the classic lineup so steph ashworth and clint heidman and 
Yeah, I feel like they really hold down the foundations of this song super well. Like Clint, especially, is just such a solid drummer. Like the way that he will keep on that beat and then... It's just the little subtle lift, like all he does, and quite literally in this instance, all he's doing is lifting his left foot to open up the hi-hats a little bit, but it makes all the world of difference going from the verse to the chorus. I think that's really, really cool, and it's reflective of how good Something for Kate are as a unit. And yeah, it will continue to reflect in in the songs to come, which, uh, spoiler alert, there are a couple. At number 36, this is Radiohead with Pyramid Song. Number 36 in the 2001 Triple J Hottest 100 with a song called Pyramid Song. This comes from the album Amnesiac, which, as I have said in the past, is my favorite Radiohead album. Now, people are always just like, why this one? You know that Kid A came out just before it, right? And yes, absolutely it did. But for me, I love... Amnesiac because it is a mongrel underdog. This is the album that was being made at the same time and basically treated as the afterthought, the little brother to Kid A, if you will. But when you listen to this ragtag collection of songs, it's just like, oh yeah, we also did these songs. It's just like, it really reminds you that Radiohead forgets better songs than we've ever thought of. (laughs) You know what I mean? Are you kidding me with that shit? That's not fair. That's not fair to just randomly toss in a pyramid song. Like, get (laughs) fucked. Now, a lot of the uh, discussion around this song comes from music theorists because people have not been able to figure out the time signature of this song for many, many years until one person was randomly just like, it's in 4-4. <laughs> and they were just like, wait, what? Oh, there, there was like people doing like measurements in like 13-8 and like all this sort of shit. And it's just like, yeah, no, it's 4-4. You just got to follow this certain like 1-E and a 2-E and a 3-E and a 4 like a certain swing. And it counts out as a 1-2-3-4 thing. And then like they put like, put like a beat behind it and like, Showed how like a like a metronome thing and showed how it worked. No, and full I'm, beat like a just yeah. A, <laughs> yeah yeah like a blast beat yeah yeah. <laughs> Fuck, that's what this song needs. Yeah, yeah. Get get Selway on the blower. <laughs> oh, dude, 
Imagine, <laughs> oh, I'm just picturing a bunch of Radiohead songs now with blast beats. All I need with some blast beats. Oh, Hell beautiful. yeah, dude. Don't yeah. you. <laughs> That's blasphemous to me. Hey, don't blame me. Blame Evil Bono. <laughs> Evil Radiohead. Yeah. Evil radio- Just Radiohead with blast beats. Evil Radiohead be like two plus two equals four. <laughs> I, would, I would see Evil Radiohead. That sounds great. Funny name for a band. Yeah. Like legitimately <laughs> pretty good name for a band. I'd go see that. Hell yeah. yeah. This is a stunning fucking song. Compositionally, like Greenwood's piano, the way it kind of surges in and surges out. That unease of the of his string arrangements as well, mm. like this is very much his song, you know. But Selway also coming in with that oh, uncertain beat, he makes like, it seem effortless, teasing in that ride symbol. Yeah, it feels like he's just like throwing his sticks at the kit, and it's making yeah. that. Sound. <laughs> so That's how effortless yeah. he's making that sound. Yeah, I feel like the reason a lot of people connect to Radiohead as teenagers, you know, beyond like hearing Creep or whatever. Is because at that point in your life, you've never heard anything quite like it. Mm. And it just really fucking hits different. Like, I can imagine kids coming up now that have heard all these bands influenced by Radiohead and then going back and just being like, oh, yeah, I can see where they got it from or whatever. But for us, you know, hearing it at that bass level and just being like, what? How did you even think to do <laughs> that? You know, like, because yeah. at that age, it's the most avant-garde sort of stuff that you've ever come across, you know. I'm always reminded of that feeling when I come back to Pyramid Song and I hear it for the first time and I hear that seasick kind of piano, the way it kind of wafts in and out and, yeah, the way that Tom will, like, hold the notes over the top of it and, yeah, like, the whole thing just comes together in such a remarkable way. It's a a fucking stunning song. So I think the way that you were talking about Radiohead there inherently has echoes of the way people in previous generations talked about the Beatles. And I think the, mm. the, the comparison of Radiohead to mm. the Beatles has been done quite frequently, but I always think it's kind of warranted because I think in terms of there being just like a landmark musical and cultural act yes. as a singularity, I think it's a pretty, just experientially, I think the yeah. comparison is kind of there. If you, if you don't know who Radiohead are, by the way, they're a pre-Adams for Peace band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and in that, uh, you talk uh, compositionally about the individual members of the band, right? Yeah. I think that's another comparison that you can make because people love to go back yeah. and listen to Beatles songs and kind of go like, oh man, like that that's so George or that's so yeah. Ringo, yeah. <laughs> right? And I think I think the the characters of who Radiohead are and what they contribute to the songs individually are also there in this song in a way that also points to future work really nicely because I'm listening to the piano and Tom's kind of singing over the top of it and because it's something I've been listening to quite a bit recently, I'm reminded of then the soundtrack work that he does he did for Suspiria. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Or even even yeah. some of the more piano driven stuff that he did in his uh in his solo albums since then. It's like that that kind of sound has become a real touchstone for Tom York. Whereas you listen to the string arrangements and I go like, well, that's the Johnny Greenwood that's gonna go on to do the soundtrack yeah. to There Will Be Blood yeah. and Power of the Dog. And then Selway's just Selway. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) he just does percussion unlike anyone else does. It kind of stands alone, but you will hear him have inspired choices like he has in this song throughout Radiohead's kind of catalog moving forward. It's kind of like, I don't know, is it it Rubber Soul? Or there's one Beatles album that they point to. It's like, this is the album that you can hear each member of the Beatles start to be their own thing. 
Yeah, I I would say right. I would rubber say, or, rubber or revolver. Yeah, so I, would, yeah. I would say around that era. Yeah, like mid period Beatles records. Apologies yeah. to Beatles fans. There's one album that that is always kind of said that that's kind of the album that you begin to hear that emerge. I would say this is the song for mm. Radiohead where you mm. begin to see that same phenomena kind Very of emerge. Very interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This is such a fucking good song. I think this song is a great example of why Amnesiac is not Kid A Part Two. Like, totally. yeah, this wouldn't re- this would not fit on Kid A because maybe with a blast beat. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thank um, you. Yeah, but like the fact that like I guess like for the first half of the song, it could almost be a Tom solo track, but mm. then when the strings arrangement comes in, and then when Selway's jazz drumming kind of thing. By the way, inspired by a Charles Mingus song. Um, yeah, makes right. sense. Yeah. 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 Then you can tell that like, cause like Kid A is pretty much all synth. There's very little thing that isn't just synth kind of thing, but like to have actual strings and physical drums in this kind of thing like that. Yes. It, it really reminds you that I remember reading an interview or like a retrospective on Kid A and Amnesiac. And they were saying that when they were writing those songs, like after OK Computer, they said to each other, we have to find a way to like, not like, got to make sure Phil's in the band still, but they were like, we have to realise a way for every member of the band to still be part of the composition process even if you don't find out. Mm. Like, you like, because like, you think of like everything in its right place, that could that could just be a Tom and Johnny song. The way that the band clearly, because they, they've had the same lineup their entire career, so they obviously know each other's compositional styles and their quirks um, and their preferences and, and dislikes. And the fact that they're able to channel that so successfully into a song like this, which you could easily claim as being a electronic ballad, or you could say it is a like orchestral pop rock song, or you could say it is a jazz song with electronic flourishes, kind of thing like that. Mm. There's so mm. many different ways that the band all works so well together as a unit mm. on a track like this, which is such a fucking terrific song. Yeah. Um, mm. This is the first single from Amnesiac, and indeed their first single since... 997 because I didn't do any promotion for Kid A. That's right. So yeah. what was it? No surprises was the last one. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah. That's Which is weird when you think because there are so many like heaps popular songs on Kid A that you would just yeah. be like, yeah, obviously that was yeah. a single. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Apparently not. Yeah. Wow. But it's so perfect as like an introduction. Is like this. This song is just so seductive and draws you into this, you know, completely disorienting space. John Donnell of the Mountain Goats. Uh, wrote a lovely line about it saying, our opinion um, is that Pyramid Song is actually a hand reaching out of a rabbit hole proffering delicious candy. Only the candy is drugged and there are no rabbits in the hole, just ghosts and the promise of bad times ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I think like it also just communicates the elements that were inspiring for the song, which were things as disparate, but still kind of weirdly unified as like, Stephen Hawking's theories of, you know, astrophysics and quantum physics, Buddhism, and a very particular exhibit in Copenhagen that the band visited about ancient Egypt. Mm. Yeah, well, the the Egypt stuff's very clear. Yeah, yeah, but but even the way that it's kind of, the lyrics are, it's it's written as if you were living through mythology Mm. about passing through the river of death and you're you're experiencing your life but you know that you're bound to be reborn again and this kind of like cyclical we go to the metaphysical the the spiritual kind of space for the song i'm a dickhead for that kind of shit obviously whenever you do that like it again it's like tool 
right? That's when you get people coming up being like, yeah. there must be something to this. <laughs> there's, there's a code to crack. It's like, it can't just be this. Like, that's the sign when you really, you're pointing towards the mystery. And, and a lot of people's reaction to the mystery is like, to get us, to know the answer. Gotta solve it. Yeah. As opposed to just letting it be. Yeah. Well, you know what's fucking crazy to me? We we're talking about this being released as a single. This was like a hit. That's this, sick. This was a top 40 single in Maybe Australia. People are okay. This peaked at number five <laughs> on the UK charts. Oh, I think that's a sign that people are not okay. <laughs> this is, that, if it, they're it, not okay, they're okay by me. Number two in Canada. Dude, it went to number one in Portugal. Wow. Number two in Canada, you said? Yeah. Go number two in Canada. Okay, go Canucks. Number three in Norway. Number six in Scotland. Wow. Yeah, it was like, peaked at number 25 in Australia. Not tropical, happy-go-lucky countries. Can we... Can but we like, but <laughs> also, like, also, like, it is a wintry song. <laughs> but, like, Radiohead are pretty popular. Like, I mean, yeah. sure, but they're an out. They're not a singles band. They're but, ostensibly they're a one hit wonder. Yeah, with you know, so yeah, but like they were inescapable. I, like, one of the reasons that it took me so long to listen to them was because I I, I thought they were too mainstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fucking creeping nuts. pyramid song. The big two. <laughs> yeah, the big two. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just imagining like the hot forty. <laughs> yeah, coming in number twenty five this week. We got Radiohead with the pyramid song. It's a bit weird. What do you guys think of it? Let me know. In the, let me know in the <laughs> fucking polls. You, were you could win a pyramid of chicken was, nuggets. But it's 2001 and comments don't <laughs> exist. Simpler times. <laughs> that brings us to the end of yet. It does. Yeah, yeah it does. It really we're does. There. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest on Hundreds and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favorites, our least favorites, and continue that ever-continuing story of carryover champ and carryover chump. Andrew. David. What have you got for me? My favorite is definitely Pyramid Song. It is a absolutely brilliant fucking tune. Uh-huh. Um, my chant does remain Nick Cave's 15 Feet of Field White Snow. Uh-huh. My mm-hmm. least favorite... Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. It's going to be the cruel sea with cocaine. It just didn't really do anything for me. That's fair. Um, but it's nowhere near as bad as um, small things or little things, whatever the fuck the song is called. <laughs> Ooh, get All em. the small things. Can't <laughs> even be bothered to remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was a, it was a deliberate slight, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I chose to lose if that part of memory. If the things are small, it's blink. That's <laughs> all. If the things are little, it's good Charlotte. Skittle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could, oh, well, yeah. The problem out. with we'll that work. is you could easily swap the band names and it wouldn't impact <laughs> the rhyme, which makes it hard to remember. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay. Point made. What are your, what are your picks? Oh, I'm sad to not pick 20 years, but my favorite is Pyramid Song out mm-hmm. of this five. You'd probably be sad to pick 20 years. Well, that's true as well. <laughs> I guess I'll... Do I want to replace it as my champ? Whoa. Maybe I do. Do you? Yeah, Whoa. why not? What's well, current- there we go. Pyramid well- Song taking over from one more time as my champ. There we go. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Friendship uh, over with good times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now weird murky times ahead. Yes. Who knows? Uh, least favorite is going to be Cruel C as well, but not as bad as the bad things. <laughs> It. I mean, like, you two, can I just say... <laughs> Somehow, oh, dodge the bullet! Oh, you dug, you dug yourself in. <laughs> yeah, missed In, that into one. what, Adam? Into a, a 
hole. A hole. A hole. In my soul. In my... Do you just turn into Adam Sandler? In my soul. <laughs> hey, it's a mole digging in a hole. Da- Daddy, it's a mole. Ooh, a shabadoo. Um, <laughs> yeah, my least favorite is is cocaine as well. Somehow, you two. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite is 20 years. And I want to do that thing where I go like, it would have been my champ. But my champ is currently out the drive-in. So mm. it's not. Mm. But it would have been. You know? It's very, it's very close to like it. Pyramid I song to, doesn't doesn't champ it for you. I mean, like I, obviously, I'm not here being like, and all other songs are trash. Like Pyramid songs are friggin' amazing, but I I would actually go 20 years over Pyramid song f- as I stand right now. Um, right. Achievement enough in itself, and then I would even consider replacing at the driving bar. It's kind of against user baby. Oof. Sheesh. No. All right. Well. I, I do love a lot of these songs. I think my favorite, I think, I, yeah, I got to go with Pyramid Song and I, I think I'm going to champ it as well because, yeah, Ooh. it's just a fucking remarkable piece of music. Least favorite, probably Cocaine, even though, yeah, maybe Crystal, like, uh, you could go either or there, but definitely neither of them will be replacing uh, Shame of Life uh, at this stage, but... You know, the night is still young. Something something may may well come and sweep me off my feet in the worst way. <laughs> I look I hope forward so. to I hope uh, we all get a new chump before yeah. the end of this oh, season. I hope so too. I hope we all find something that we truly, truly despise. But until then, folks, on behalf of Andrew McDonald, good night. Nathan Harrison. Bye. Adam Buncher. See ya. My name's David Jim Jung. Everything is good for moles. Being an evil mole is cancerous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. prefer a benign mole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>